whoa, hey, welcome to Creative Block. We're your hosts, Gene. And V, we interview people in the animation industry about their life, work, and hobbies while we doodle jam. We ask people on Twitter if they had specific topics they want us to discuss, as well as some drawing prompts. And today with us, we have Elizabeth Ito. Hey! Hello! Hi, guys. So, Elizabeth, you have had a long, awesome career working in animation. Uh, you are the creator of City of Ghosts on Netflix, which was an absolute delight. Uh, a nice, wholesome uh, dose of animation in a dark, dark time. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're really happy to have you on the show. But uh, for those who might not know who you are, tell us who you are and what you do. Uh, I am Elizabeth Ito, and I, um, I started out doing storyboards in animation, and uh, now I direct and I created a show and I show ran that. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of do a lot of things. <laughs> sure. How did you uh, get your start early on when you were just a baby? Um, well, one of the first uh, things that I did in the industry, well, actually, very first thing was I had an internship um, at Cartoon Network. Like, I'm trying to think what year that was, probably like 2000 or 2001-ish. Mm -hmm. um, but after I got out of school, the first, uh, I guess, job that I had was a training program job at uh, DreamWorks. So I did story, uh, story training there. Um, and it was actually really fun. Like, I think they taught us a lot about uh, storyboarding for feature animation. Um, they had this one thing that I thought was like, that's been useful for, I think, like, most of my career as a board artist, uh, where they had a, like a pitch clinic, pretty much, where they Whoa. taught us how to do storyboard pitching. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, and I think what was interesting about it was like some of the details that um, I noticed when other people do it now, but that they pointed out when we were in that workshop, like that uh, it can be distracting or just like the effect that it can have. Like one main one was like um, when you're pointing at your boards, because it, it was still boards being <laughs> pinned up on a wall. So I yeah. guess that already kind of dates it. But um, basically, like when you're pointing at them, don't don't slam the board each time that you're pointing at a panel. And, oh, yeah. Interesting. And then also, like, to put your pointer, like, below the image so that um, right. you're not covering up the image. And I, I know that's, like, really simple and basic, but uh, it was really useful because, yeah, then I thought about how it does sort of, like, interrupt your flow uh, when you're, like, slamming the board to <laughs> out of nervousness mm -hmm. most of the time. I think the modern version of that is people tapping the keyboard too hard when they're, when they're going through them. It's just like, <laughs> and it's like, hey. I think it's like, I, I would say the modern version of that, it's like, because, you know, it's just so easy to go from an image to another. It's like, you get really nervous and you're like, well, and then he walks through the oh, room yeah. and it's like, w we can see that, yeah. you know, you don't have to say it. <laughs> Hopefully you can see it. Otherwise it's a bad board. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the landscape must have been different in, Cartoon Network in 2000 that that's admittedly when I was like watching a lot of cartoons and so I'm like fascinated by what that was like because I'm sure it was uh different than it is now uh yeah I mean the main difference is that there was just so much um so much still done on paper right uh I think now like if you needed animation paper um it wouldn't be as easy to, sure. to get it and to get the pencils even. I don't even actually know if they make that 
the same colors of coal erase pencils that they used to because um, it's just sort of like not not very many people or as many people use them. Yeah. Um, I think like for me it was different than it would be now because I think for the most part when I've seen people have internships um, those aren't even really the same as what I experienced like I kind of uh, worked on a show and didn't necessarily like wrap up my experience by like pitching an idea it was sort of just like right. like a really standard internship like um, really like helping out with the typical stuff that you you imagine as an intern like like photocopying things or oh, being yeah. in meetings and yeah <laughs> yeah they're uh, definitely trying harder these days to make it more like engaging and there's a there's a internships have a bad reputation i think <laughs> so it's like <laughs> they're trying they're definitely trying yeah but like I don't, I don't know besides that i'm trying to think about how it was different but like there's just so many like small differences that add up to like such a different place like just as a person that draws and does art um just like you know i don't i don't really know if anybody had cintiqs there at the right. time when i was interning um and now it would be rare for you to ask for like a like a regular desk <laughs> where you could sketch yeah yeah no kidding <laughs> Would you um, kind of tell us a little bit about um, what school you went to, what college was like for you, and kind of like what was your road to kind of go, like finding this path into animation a little bit? Yeah, um, I wasn't really interested in, or I didn't know that I was interested in animation as a career until I went to this um, summer program that they have in California called uh, CESA, which stands for um, California State Summer School for the Arts. Mm -hmm. And um, it's like a high school thing where you you submitted an application and they had different, um, like, different themes <laughs> or what focuses that you could have. Um, so, like, they had a theater program and they had music and um, dance and, and animation was one of the options. And I applied to it because like all of my other high school friends are going to do stuff like some of them were going to um, summers abroad or just like doing other things so I thought well I should find something to do also um, and I saw this application on my art art teacher's door and so I filled it out and I applied for animation because it wasn't something that they taught at my high school and mm -hmm. I just thought well I should like take advantage of doing something I know I like to draw so maybe I'll I'll try for this thing um and then after I went to that I was like oh this is this is the art form like this is the thing that's that's mine like um I I need to find a way to do this because like um kind of up until then my parents knew that I was interested in doing uh like a career in art but um I didn't have uh like a direction for that like it wasn't like i guess in my head it was like maybe advertising um hmm. but i remember my dad being like oh do you like getting fired a lot or something oh, like that <laughs> i was like uh not really like is there right. a way yeah 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 oddly enough um yeah definitely correct uh but yeah then i found this and um to be honest i think at the time i thought oh, I'm so late in finding this out. Like, because I think um, through going to CISA, I found like, oh, the way that you get into animation is you go to this school that we're having it at, CalArts. And 
the way that you get into this specific character animation program is like you have to be really good at life drawing um and i was not very good at life drawing um mm -hmm. i just i didn't really do that so i tried to start doing that but it kind of felt like cramming for something that other people had already been mm. studying for a I while see. so yeah yeah so then also my parents weren't super into me going like to art school just as like the first thing that i did so mm -hmm. it was a little bit of a struggle uh both ways and then um and then like i tried to get in and i actually didn't get into cal arts the first two times that i tried um and i ended up getting into ucla which is still a very <laughs> very good school uh i remember getting into an argument with my dad about like well, what if I just went to community college? Cause like that would be cheaper, and I like, and then I could do animation. And I think after I got into UCLA, he was kind of like, I think you should take that. <laughs> that's um, a pretty good one. <laughs> um, so like, I went there to study English first, like uh, like English lit and like poetry and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, and then that's cool. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I, I actually you know, looked into their animation and film school, which was really decent, but it was really hard to, uh, to like take part in that, uh, in their curricu curriculum because it, it was a graduate program mostly. So like, if you tried to do it as an undergrad, it was like a lot on top of the stuff you were mm. already studying. Um, and also I kind of felt like I wanted to know, um, really strong technique, like tech, really technical stuff and I didn't feel like their program was quite quite as like um, thorough as mm -hmm. the one at CalArts mm -hmm. so I was still going to UCLA and then I I managed to get into CalArts I think my third year being there and and then I ended up going to CalArts and I think like I felt kind of grateful that I went there after having a lot of um, undergrad stuff out of the way so that I, I could really sure. just focus on animation um and yeah i i don't know like uh, it was uh while i was at school i think um more of my influence to become an animator came from kind of like an experimental side of animation um because i felt like just i think like just a freedom of like if you don't know how to draw like that's not what animation is all about like it's also about like timing and it's about um, movement of objects and and um, yeah and film and so like I, I kind of like always had that in my mind so I, I like I mean CalArts kind of has different um, groups of <laughs> people that are interested in different things like there's um, you know definitely people that are better at kind of life drawing there are people that are um, definitely have the goal of going to like a Pixar or a Disney or a DreamWorks once they get out right. of school. Um, and then there's some people that <laughs> you don't know what they want to do <laughs> or like, or it's like Cartoon Network. Like I think Cartoon Network also had a definitely, definitely different vibe than like um, mm. sort of more Disney leaning folks. <laughs> mm -hmm. What is some of the stuff that um, influenced you? Like, cause you're talking about doing experimental animation and, uh, what are some of those influences on you? Like what, um, is there any specific animated films or even just like short films that you really liked growing up? Um, I think like experimental wise, because of CISA, like there were a lot of experimental animation um, TAs that taught us. 
they showed us i remember they showed mm-hmm. us like norman mclaren's um scratching on film stuff mm-hmm. and i i thought it was really cool how like you could do that technique and like it it almost didn't have to be intentionally set to a beat but once you played it with music it kind of went to anything like mm-hmm. that you wanted it to um so i think that realization was really cool because i like i used to play piano and i think it's like it's just like a weird mental connection when you can connect like either like Mm-hmm. something that's like a little bit academic and mathematical to something that's not <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so like stuff like that i think um i i really liked like nightmare before christmas and like stop motion yeah stuff. i was gonna say um, stop motion seems like a big influence yeah um i don't i don't know i think it's just like it was just this feeling of amazement like um i my family had a friend a really close friend who worked for Disney. Um, she was more like in their tech uh, oh. department, but mm-hmm. she would sometimes invite me to like screenings that they would have of, you know, whatever, like <laughs> whatever film they were making. Like I think one time we saw like the rescuers down under mm-hmm. as a screening. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she invited me to go see nightmare before Christmas at like a screening at like, um, I, I don't know what it's called. I think it's like Man's Chinese now, the, oh, right. the yeah, yeah. theater in Hollywood. Um, and I remember she told my parents, like, uh, just so you know, though, it's like it's a little different than you know, like those Disney films. It's a little darker, and I didn't, I didn't really know what that meant. But like, I was I was just like so enamored by it, like um, to just like I don't know, like imagine how they did that. Um, I think like. Like one early influence was obviously like creature comforts. I think I've talked about that a lot all the time, mm-hmm. um, and I think just seeing people make make like essentially objects come to life, but your your brain never thinks mm-hmm. of it as an object. Like um, I, I talked about this once with a friend about like Muppets, uh, where at some point I thought about the fact that like it's just a person's hand inside of a foam thing that has fur on it and it's but it's never been that in my head when i see it like it's alive and it's a character and there's just something Mm -hmm. like so incredible about that yeah (laughs) they're actors they exist in our world sometimes they make movies yeah 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 there's definitely a magic to that that's something that I, i i heard somebody say recently that like animation is a magic trick and uh, and it's like, yeah, I guess it is, huh? Like, it's just like you you show yeah. images in sequence and it, somehow it works. Yeah. Uh, we're skipping around a little bit, but um, how how did you use the internship at CN to kind of transition into your first um, professional gig? Before we go into that question. Oh, sure. How did you uh, get the internship at Cartoon Network? Oh, yeah. Um, I think it was because like every at the end of every school year um CalArts has like a a job fair mm. and it's like it's a <laughs> it's a it used to be i think it still is like a really emotional time for um the students because you pretty much put your portfolio or back then you put your portfolio out on a table um and like with like resumes or something mm-hmm. and um 
And like I at at that point I think it was like separated by uh school year and also maybe by like um like sometimes they'd also have TV stands where you could put like your your reel so that people could watch it. Um so I think it was at one of those and then like basically like industry people come and walk through to check out people's portfolios and then at the end of it they put up a bulletin board that had um each studio or rep or whatever who was there um there would be like a list up that would have a list of people that they wanted to talk to um like a pretty much like an interview and then so the second half of job fair day was like you would go check this callback list and then see if like oh i like this meeting this studio rep at this time um it's really emotional because like obviously not everybody gets a callback right. and uh, and like some people are also really hopeful to get their name on a certain list like they might get on somebody else's list mm-hmm. um, but that's not the one they wanted so like at, at, at this particular job fair I, I got onto the Cartoon Network list and um, I think like yeah it was a weird feeling because there were some people where I felt like mm-hmm. it was like her <laughs> You know, like, why not me kind of feeling. Um, hmm. But, yeah, so that, I guess that's how I got yeah. it. <laughs> hey, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah, that, that sounds so high pressure. Yeah, and it's, like, right when you're, like, finishing up your film at school. So the timing you're of it. You're exhausted. Yeah, you're, like, yeah. exhausted. You're just, like, emotional because um yeah. you just finished this thing that you've been working on and then on top of that now you kind of have to like see if you can get a job like yeah, yeah. there's a weird amount of pressure i mean especially now that i am older and i have i have hindsight it, it's kind of crazy how much pressure there is on what is essentially children to be like go 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 you gotta get your first job you gotta like figure out your whole career like it's it's an insane amount of pressure and and when you look back, it's like, man, I spent 10 years figuring out what, like what I actually want. I'm still changing. It's changing every year. And so it's, it's wild. That's, that's, it's maybe a little unfair even to put that much of a burden on, um, on kids coming out of college, you know? Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, they have the energy to deal with it. I guess. <laughs> so that's it's, uh, hustle while you can, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, how did you uh, get your gig from there? Well, like I was, I still had like two more years of school. Oh, okay. That, so that was an earlier one. Okay. Yeah. So it was. I don't know. Like it, it was such a. I heard somebody say something like the other day that it's not. Uh, you shouldn't chalk your success up to just luck because some of it's yes. like. Um, right. You're in the right place at the right moment for you to like receive that thing, but like it doesn't necessarily mean it was just because it was lucky. Like you yes. built right. up reasons why. Um, so like a lot of the things I feel like that have happened in my career felt like that. Like I think, like my third year at CalArts, I had considered just uh, leaving to try to find a job because it's really expensive to go there, uh, and the the like my the faculty in the department kind of um, gave me a really generous scholarship and kind of just said, we just, we value you a lot. We think you could learn a lot by just staying like through till the end. And so um, like I wouldn't have made welcome to my life as a short in school if I hadn't 
been given that opportunity to stay one more year. Mm -hmm. Um, And like that idea, I think just, it just ended up being um, like, first it felt like the most like me and the most unlike anybody else of the films that I had made when I was there. Um, It was definitely the most personal. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was like the first one I made where like when I finished it and when I was like, just like, it hit just I think it just hit the word credits and I like I just felt like these feelings about it like just kind of like it's, it's not exactly satisfied it's almost like a like you're happy and sad at the same time like it's a weird feeling um but like it just felt like I nailed it I did I did the thing that like that gives me feelings and and then um just gradually kind of picked up momentum with the reactions I would get from people like I know um I think that's like how I really got to be friends with like Penn and um, a lot of the people that are kind of around Penn because like I um I, I talked about like the groups at Cal Arts, but I think from that I felt um that I got uh kudos from a lot of those different groups that like might not necessarily like come together an opinion about stuff that often um so that felt really special and then i think after that it was like just getting a lot of um random interest from from like industry people like i think i i I was also up for possibly getting a pixar internship but Hmm. at that point their internship program was a lot different like they only offered animation internships and i think there were only like two so it was like um, and that's not like just for Cal Arts kids. It was sort of like whoever, you know, like if if uh, I think they, they had some classes at like Academy of Art College or something like that, where they had sort of uh, a relationship with them where people got internships from there. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, I think it was like a surprise to me that I got the DreamWorks um, gig at first because I just... I just was pretty sure, pretty sure I wasn't going to get it. It was like a, like a Shrek story test. I think I had to FedEx like these panels in. Um, I remember thinking like, I, I kind of felt like I had rushed it. Like I had done it at the last minute and I was just like, I don't even know if this is funny. I don't know if this is what they were looking for. Um, I don't think I can draw that well, but like, here it goes. And like I sent it in and I totally expected the like, sorry like we gave it to somebody else but um but yeah then i ended up there and um i think like similarly like uh some people at disney tv uh abc family had noticed welcome to my life as a student film and so i worked like developing that there for a little while yeah a a lot of it was really it it just it, it feels like trying to remember a dream to describe to people <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's all these weird coincidental um things <laughs> yeah but it sounds like your short like did a huge uh thing for you getting all the opportunities yeah uh, i think that's that's pretty accurate like um and also like as part of what my mentor at that Cal Arts had said it was just like one of them was like corny corny Cole who was like be true to yourself and then I remember Frank Terry who was the head of the department had said um this last year I want you to really push yourself to, to fail and I'm <laughs> like why that's so mean and um he was like well it's not you're never gonna know 
like what your limit is unless you try to push far enough that like like what what happens if you if you can't you know achieve that thing it's not like you'll know um yeah kind of just what your boundaries are (laughs) yeah that's an interesting take that's yeah it's something that i think we talked to jorge about too is that just like you gotta just like try stuff and fail as quickly as possible because then at least it's like not as painful. You want to just get through those those learning experiences. Yeah, that's yeah. really good. That's a really good piece. That's really of interesting. When you say yeah, uh, DreamWorks, and you're talking about Shrek, you're so you were talking feature, right, at the time? Yeah, yeah. How long did you stay on that? I'm trying to think how long that lasted. Like it felt like it lasted a while, but I think it was like less than a year. Um, it's true though i feel like at the beginning of a career like just a couple months feels like an eternity it's all new (laughs) yeah and it was it was just definitely a window into like i don't know just like what working at a studio um can be like um it's a little i don't know like i guess a little it was a little disorienting a bit because um like I don't know how to put it but it just felt like there were a lot of unspoken barriers (laughs) for Mm -hmm. for stuff like uh like I remember one of the reasons they they gave for you know why because at the end of it I think there was like decisions made as to like who was gonna remain as like a story artist at the studio and Mm -hmm. who was gonna be basically like let go or let out of the contract um and it was like me and one other person who they had sort of made this call on. Um, but I remember like it, it was just a little confusing because the other person's performance wasn't, you could tell why they, they wouldn't continue. But I think with me, even my, my mentor there, um, Teresa was like, I don't understand, you know, what, what the deal is with like why Elizabeth. And I, I think the reasons they gave was something like, Oh, we don't feel like her drawing skills are up to what we're looking for. Um, And like looking back on it now, I can go, well, that's, that's BS, you know, like, like Mm -hmm. I see all of the different styles that you're able, you're capable of allowing here. um, And I see much different levels of drawing Um, on top of that. Like for for me personally, I don't feel like boards have to be drawn like always the same like they don't always have to be definitely uh yeah like super nice um sometimes they can be really rough and funny and like but at the at that particular moment um Uh hearing that was like i i didn't i didn't have confidence you know like i had just come out of school i had just gotten this thing i felt like i was doing well i felt like my pitches had been doing well that's something that very relatable because when I was on, I've only done feature once at Sony. Um, I was on a movie that hasn't come out yet. Um, and I, okay, it's it's really bizarre because it what you're saying is so true. It's you're going through the motions. You're, you're doing what you think you're expected to do. You're, like, because people ask you, like, give your opinions or like, do this thing, pitch that way. And you do it and 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 people laugh during the pitches and then all of a sudden it's like well actually sorry and it's like "Ah, what uh, (laughs) what what happened there and i I think you're right it's like there is some kind of a like some like a bunch of unspoken rules that nobody ever teach you and you kind of have to know 
<laughs> yeah, and it's uncomfortable because, like, um, it, it's just kind of this feeling that somebody's being dishonest with you about yeah. what it is. Like, in that yep. particular moment, like, I think the reason they didn't want to continue with me was, one, because... Disney was talking to me about developing this project that DreamWorks had not expressed any interest in. So like right off the bat, there's kind of like this thing that like another studio is like, you know, just seeing some potential in a place that you didn't see potential. And then like, yeah, there was just other things that I was doing outside of the studio. So I, I felt like some somebody was taking it like personally or where they felt like it would reflect badly on them and but like I I didn't really have that hindsight until like much much later and I think the destructive thing is just that sometimes they'll give you those reasons that um yes they kind of make up yeah like like the you can't draw and you let that one stick (laughs) for like a really long time so yeah 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 yeah. uh, yeah. yeah. that's very true or just or even sometimes it's, it's even like more arbitrary. It's like, well, we're actually going in a new phase of uh, boarding the movie and you're, we're just getting some new blood. Yeah. And you're like, I'm the only one getting let go. This cannot be true. <laughs> but you know, you know, yeah. it's yeah. a corporate, uh, you, you, there's nothing that you can really, uh, it's, yeah. It, it's it's just kind of, yeah. you're right though. It kind of sucks because it, it, for you as a person, it sticks for a long time and you're just left by yourself to think about it and wonder and just kind of be like, what is it? Like, what is it really? <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, like we're, we're like artists and we're vulnerable and we want people to like what we do and we want people to like, um, keep, keep hiring us because we're, we're good at what we do. So like, if you, if you just hit me right in the gut and you're like, you can't, your drawings yeah. aren't good. Like, it's like, what? Yeah. I just came out of this school that cost me a fortune uh, yeah. where that's like all mm-hmm. I did was drawing. I, I um, beg to differ about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I had a friend who uh, started on a show as a board artist. And then after like a month was demoted down to revisions and it like destroyed them. Cause they were just, it's it's like that's that's so such a brutal and it was something they were really excited about too it was like a project the show that they were really excited about and for that to happen it was like completely demoralizing and it affected them for months and months and it was really hard for me to see it because it's like that's not fair like that that was a production that was not run well and they didn't know what they wanted and it's a shame that it affected somebody that deeply you know when it wasn't their fault to begin with like they're they're an awesome artist they were and i i think they were a really good fit for that and so it's just it's frustrating when that kind of stuff happens because yeah it really does and in, and this might be a good spot to transition into um your show as well because like development is is a a nightmare of that it's a it's a constant like push for your ideas and your self-worth and then you're being weighed and people are debating about, you know, how good is this really going to be? Who's going to care about this? And and so uh, I I would love to kind of move towards that. Like, um, how did you get on Netflix's radar with City of Ghosts? Or did you pitch something else originally? Or kind of how did that process come to be? Uh, I first basically like got on their radar because um, 
Jenna Boyd, I had talked to, I think, um, who at the time, I forget what her title was, but she was really high up over at Netflix before we could even say Netflix animation. I think she Mm -hmm. was like one of the first people they had. Um, And her and then um, Jill Sanford, who Mm -hmm. ended up, who was my exec when I first started at, um, at Netflix, uh, she's not there anymore either. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but they, Jill had, had seen kind of what was happening with welcome to my life. And, um, I had just posted on Facebook at some point, uh, where it was really clear that cartoon network wasn't, I mean, they didn't say no, but they weren't doing anything with it either. Um, and so I kind of just like flippantly was like, does anybody want to help me make this yeah. <laughs> like somewhere else? And um, she like, mm. she basically was like, Hey, let's talk. Uh, and I didn't, I don't think I knew she was at Netflix uh, like officially yet. Um, and then I ran into her at like a, like a daytime Emmys. I was there with somebody else. Not like not, I was, I wasn't winning one, um, but I saw her there and then, she was like hey like for real let's let's talk uh about this and um so yeah and then so i started basically like yes. uh meeting them i remember i went to the their main building with their their uh really luxurious cafeteria yeah um, yeah that cafeteria yeah i was i was really thrown off by it i think the first time i went there like um i think jenna was like uh would you like a coffee or anything? And like, I saw they had like, like a full breakfast Mm -hmm. and I was just like, I was honestly looking for the cashier. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, where do Mm -hmm. people pay for this when they're, Oh, they don't pay for it. No. Okay. Well, I'm just going to get this simple coffee because I'm really overwhelmed. (laughs) (laughs) They have kombucha on tap. Yeah. Like I remember (laughs) and like they, for people who don't know. Yeah. Like the Netflix. Yeah. 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 Silicon Valley, like there's <laughs> snacks on every floor, uh, and like the good shit too. Like they have like ice cream bars and like yeah, like kombucha bottles and all this uh, coconut waters. And then I talked to my friend Brandon about how we were like they have beef jerky Brandon Hong? as a snack. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he's been on the show. He's a friend of ours. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, he was just like we we like bonded over that yeah like just like i can't believe that's a free snack here like that's that's <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna embarrass brandon because when i he I, I went to get lunch with him there once and uh and he's like dude dude they have a bidet on the 17th floor and i was like <laughs> fuck yeah they do and i was like because he and i share a love of bidets and he was so excited about it that i and we like oh, went up yeah, to the huh? bathroom and he like showed me and he, oh, it was like gosh. this like secret chamber that he opened like check it out dude and I was like, yeah, it's like oh, a fancy, the fancy like Japanese kind, right? Like, uh, yeah, oh yeah, it's yeah. like a full future <laughs> toilet. But I was just, it's just, it was like, uh, it's our little like bonding thing with me and Brandon. It's just like anywhere there's a bidet, we yeah. like keep track of that. Um, but yeah, those the, the cafeteria is insane, and like, and the yeah. lo- the whole building is just so like over the top. Um, yeah, it was a lot. Um, but yeah, it was really just. Uh, meeting with jill um initially i think i i thought i would be able to make welcome to my life as a series there but it was like a little tied up still at cartoon network Mm. um and i 
I don't know what, what the deal was, but I don't think Netflix wanted to deal with the hassle of it. So mm. it was sort of like, well, do you have, do you have any other ideas? And, um, like I had this really basic concept for like a show about ghosts and VR and stuff like that. And oh. I was like, well, maybe, maybe I have another idea. I got to like flush it out a little bit. Uh, and I think like just starting to think about, um, the way that just a lot of stuff that I've been reading about like cities and LA and how they're changing and how yeah. they're becoming really gentrified. Um, but like on top of that, just like this fascination that I have with um, like kind of like architectural oddities or things that feel like they were left behind when everything else around it is modernized um, and like wanting to do something that somehow got to talk about that. Um, but like to kids uh, and like in a way where mm -hmm. I could still sort of do the same um, like welcome to my life type format where mm -hmm. like you're you're making it feel like a real interview with like a fake <laughs> a fake character <laughs> was there was there an inspiration for that because it, it is something and people asked about that on twitter we'll bring it up maybe uh later but um it does seem like that's a style that you really lean towards this sort of like mockumentary documentary kind of thing um is there a reason for sure it was it's creature comforts um like other things i think are just uh, like anything that has that improvisational feeling to me is like really exciting mm -hmm. um i think like like as much as i <laughs> get uncomfortable actually doing improv myself um i find it to be like when it works to be so rewarding and so funny and just like spontaneous that um i think that's really what what drives it um i think like as i was doing my films at cal arts too it was really this feeling of like yeah like how do i capture spontaneity of things that that are funny because they're these certain people doing them like i think um, I did have this film that I did about these like stuffed animal rabbits, like fighting on a shelf to get picked Aww. to, to go home mm -hmm. with a, a, a little girl. And part of it was just because I had heard these two friends of mine, um, uh, Scott and Ken, they used to like, like argue with each other, like joking, argue like over the cubes and just uh, the cubes are just the cubicles at Cal arts. Um, and like, I just thought like, oh, it'd be so like, what's the funny situation to imagine about that? It's like, oh, what what if they were like two like cute stuffed animal rabbits like fighting with each other? Um, and then I just I asked them, like, would you guys uh, come record some dialogue for me in the recording booth at CalArts? And they said yes. And I don't think I, I told them what they looked like. I just told them, like, can you argue about this thing or act like this happened? Um, and uh it it was it's just always really entertaining to me i think like that's why i really liked like the british office um and like arrested development kind of has yeah. that feeling uh and yeah and just a lot of things like that and i i like i think it's a big pet peeve of mine when people like try to fake it too much <laughs> they try to um, make it seem like um it's improv when it's uh actually kind of more written um mm -hmm. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting that you mentioned the rest of development. I feel like the show had a huge impact on uh, animation because uh, like 
there was like a couple shows that were kind of trying to do like mockumentary but i think city of ghosts is like is like the most successful attempt that i've seen in animation thank you to do that. <laughs> yeah because <laughs> it's tricky because you want like because exactly what you said it's like you want to keep it real you want to make it feel like uh the characters are really alive that they're really kind of like what we were talking with like Gene, you mentioned like the Muppets, like, oh, yeah. like this is like actually just a toy, but it's real and like kind of getting all these little like odd moments, like the, the hand, handheld camera or like the, the awkward laugh or like the, the beat or like those kind of things that make it kind of like, oh, yeah, like this is totally real. I feel like someone is actually filming this. Kind of yeah, thing. I think it makes a lot of people uncomfortable for different reasons, too. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, well, like both making it and watching it, you know, like um, I was thinking one of the things in my head when I say like improvisational stuff is like Nathan for you. Oh, um, yeah. Because, yeah, because it's like, I think he's really like that as a person. Like, I believe it. Yeah. Um, but I, I can tell like just there's some people where if I told them to watch that show, they probably wouldn't be able to watch it for more than like five minutes right. or something because like yeah. it's too awkward um, yeah i can't do it <laughs> i'm one of those <laughs> i think it's also like i That's feel like yeah for nathan for you is like I've, I've watched a couple i think it's really funny but it's true that i'm always kind of like is this real is he is that him is this really happening what is you know i'm like kinda, i constantly have the question of like where is yeah. the, the boundary between reality and fiction here kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, that's actually one of the reasons why I'm not a big fan of reality TV because I'm like, I'm like, oof, this is too, uh, it's too real. It's like you're looking at a thing that's like very real but edited, uh, and you're like, there yeah. is a little bit of an angle. There is a little bit of someone's point of view on this thing that is almost real, partly scripted. It's kind of like the super fine line of like between reality and fiction really it's and yeah like you're saying it's like it it's kind of like a it's definitely a, a taste in someone to be comfortable with the, the content that's playing with that yeah um this is uh a, a juicier topic so feel free to talk about it as much as you want but um what was your reaction to the release of the show and sort of how uh how netflix handled it because um from what i've seen on your twitter it was it was frustrating to have you know not much in the way of marketing and everything but i you know at the very least i was seeing a lot of people talk about their love of it and it seems like it's had a pretty big ripple effect um but i know it's different on the inside so i'd love to hear your take on that yeah i like the first thing i want to say is that like there's there's a lot of people who work inside of Netflix that are doing a lot of work to yeah. help, to help. And I think like whenever I've complained about it, that's the part that I feel the most self-conscious and bad about sure. is that like, um, like I don't want anyone to think like that I'm accusing somebody in there of not, not doing enough <laughs> to help me personally and help my show. Uh, because like the thing that I, I felt even just, um, it was like right right after I started that like the amount of growth that they wanted for um, animation at the studio was immense and I think like um, it's just yeah. sort of like mm -hmm. when you're making that much uh, stuff um, 
you're you're always going to be understaffed and i think like yep. people are moving so fast inside of there to try to support the next show that's coming out that like they they just don't have enough time and enough people to yeah. to manage that amount of work stuff gets buried yeah and i i think they did like a decent job with city of ghosts like in the sense that like particularly because at the time when it was released we were all still like middle of pandemic and i think you know like maybe maybe had there not been a pandemic we would have had some um really fun like rap parties or events or like screenings or things that like um help get people psyched about stuff that aren't you know online and that aren't so sort of like like i mean for me like the issue with like being stuck doing stuff just at home online was like the only way for me to judge how it was doing was kind of seeing how are people responding on the internet (laughs) because like there's there's nobody for me to have like a face-to-face conversation with um like at a screening where it's like the same as um you know being able to handle that like on on some place like online um i think like just overall though the like my biggest thing is just uh my 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 understanding is that netflix is very much like well our 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 shows are marketed on word of mouth, you know, mm. like um, people will find stuff that they like because um, one, like our, our system is so good at choosing stuff for you that it'll, it'll know what, what you're going to want to watch next. And you're going to like that. You're going to like that. That's bold. That's bold. To, <laughs> yeah. if, if they think that that's, I mean, that's kind of how social media works right now. It's kind of like, yeah, kind of yeah. every, everyone like, cause Netflix is a like big tech as a company. Like they, they definitely yeah. buy into that, that idea that like algorithms know you better than, than you do. That's yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think like, like when you're talking about, adult content like i I don't mean like you know sexy adult Ah! content (laughs) like just yeah yeah, like uh i just like i think for even for like most of their live action stuff which i feel like is more adult leaning it's like um that even makes sense for that the word of mouth thing you know like that people will talk to each other about it that they'll they'll click on it because there's other things they've watched that are like that but um I just don't, I don't fundamentally think that works the same for animated kids content, like at least here, because there's just so many other things that other studios have proven work to like get people to watch things that you, you as a studio are supporting and want them to watch. Like, like there's a lot of effort that goes into that. Like, I, I would say that's one of the things that I actually like, learned at DreamWorks at the beginning was like um, we would go to these like monthlies where um, there was one that they did I think around the time like Shark Tale was going to come out where they showed us like all of the ways that they were marketing Shark Tale like the all of the things they were sending out to press like all of the um, things that they would have like in grocery stores or in toy stores or just things that Mm -hmm. gets people to know about it. and I, I don't think that's different for someplace like Netflix. I think if they really want to, to like champion shows or to like give some people a boost where it's like worthwhile to do it, 
that they could do the same type of approach for marketing it. I just, uh, I don't know. I guess that's just their, their choice to, <laughs> to maybe not do that quite as much. I guess it's like, yeah. It's an odd choice. It's like, uh... Yeah. I mean, I, it's funny when, when you mentioned grocery stores, because I remember like when Minions like was coming out or whatever, like I remember <laughs> all of my friends being like, I'm so sick of Minions. They're on TP. Like I've, I've seen them all over. <laughs> and it is like the thing is um, doing like a quick kind of like a uh, couple clicks on Google, kind of looking at budgets and stuff like it's true that um the kind of like the strategy, the marketing strategy at like Illumination is it's like they're really about marketing, but then how many properties do they have uh, coming out? So I think you yeah. can kind of like afford just to one. just kind of like spend half of the budget. Yeah. That's also crazy, right? It's like, oh, half of, sometimes more than half of the budget goes into marketing in Europe. Just, oh my God. Yeah, that's like saturation. Yeah, that's always kinda, the thing. But yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it works. If it, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter like whether or not any of us like it. it it's imprinting it on people's brains, right? So it's like it, uh, marketing is awareness, and the the weird reliance on the algorithm is bizarre to me because it's not. It's still not really proven. Like it it doesn't really work. Like there's stuff that I'm interested in, and when I open up Netflix, I don't see it anywhere. And so I'm like, well, that's a misfire. You you clearly don't know what I like. You clearly don't know what I would be interested in. It was hard for me to find City of Ghosts when it first came out. And I, <laughs> yeah, I watched. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's like your account. And so it's like, I think this isn't working well, guys, because I think this should be much easier. I think if you've watched any animation, any animation, it should be top thing for the day, you know, for you. Like, this is a new show that came out. I think it's... And yeah it's just really interesting that you mentioned that because i have heard from a couple of people that if something is too niche they're like it's less likely to gather interest because there's less things like it that exist so it makes it harder for the algorithm to link it to other yeah. things that's and that's kind of really interesting and also crazy how dependent we are on like tags and labels for an algorithm to yeah. be like this is something you might like it's i just yeah uh, yeah i think that was like a big question i had early on when i heard somebody say like i think that they like um try to also it's almost like kind of figuring out what budget is right for the type of show you're making like by like what you're saying like basing it off of um, well, here's other shows that are similar to that, that this is what it should cost because your show is like, you know, X, Y, or Z show. Um, but I had the same question that's raised by like that you just raised where it's like, but like, if, if you're telling me you want me to come in and make something uh, like we're like the, the goal is to build a studio like one that's never existed before, like like do all the good things that we wanted a studio to be here and make different kinds of shows because this is a place where um, we like value all kinds of stories, as many different kinds of stories as we can get. Um, but like when you do that, it's like, how are you making it so that, you know, a, a computer knows how to make a yes. decision on mm -hmm. something that's never been made before? Like right. if, 
Like, yeah. And I, I, I don't think there's a, a good answer to that. <laughs> I don't think they found one. So I think also that's why, I mean, for, for me personally, it just feels like their, their focus has shifted to not necessarily doing that thing of like, we want like this whole spectrum of stories. It's more now like we want a, a, a pretty specific thing that gets a lot of people to watch it. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like yeah i feel like it's kind of like you know when they were like really brand new uh it's like we don't really have a plan so anything goes and then it's like well now we do have yeah a corporate kind of like uh agenda uh, agenda i guess yeah or... yeah sure it, it ends up everything ends up funneling back into the same cable model you know it's like it and ultimately everything is just the safe bet and lowest common denominator and i think it's simple, like it's like dating shows you know i don't know it's, it's really interesting <laughs> everything's though, dating shows now and that you're you're mentioning that because i don't really think so much that it's like it's it's a slightly different approach it's not so much like it's exactly like cable because cable was like you had to have such a specific brand right like you, you had to have to be super one note like netflix can afford to be maybe like 10 notes unless sort of like one note you know what i'm saying but it has to stay in the the boxes that will help the, com the computer uh, if that makes sense so it, it's it's like similar but a little bit different i don't know i'm just kind of wrapping uh freestyling no i think I, yeah my my point is more so that like you know you look at and elizabeth you can talk about this because you were there but like cartoon network in the late 90s early 2000s they had a lot of uh interesting stuff like they were make, taking risks and and nickelodeon in the 90s yeah. were too mm -hmm. um and that's where all these shows that everyone grew up or at least millennials i don't know mm -hmm. <laughs> we grew up with all these shows that are like iconic and now they're just constantly being rebooted and brought back blah, blah. but like um it's eventually those cable channels have distilled down what works and you know in cn's case it's like baby shows like well it's not baby shows but it's like that sort of like bridge kind of thing they've like this makes money let's make more of that nickelodeon it's like this makes money let's make more of that whatever it is i don't even know what it is but um yeah and i i worry that the same thing's gonna happen with netflix where as time goes on yeah they tried all these different things yeah they you know they gave these opportunities but now we're seeing it happen from at least my perspective i would love to hear your take on elizabeth but it's like uh it's it's trial and error but the the outcome ends up being just well what's the thing that will get the most people watching and it's usually not anything that's that creative or interesting it's usually stuff that's like predictable yeah. and ip and et cetera, et cetera. i mean i'm not really sure like there's one big question i have for most studios which is like um wondering if they think like i do that maybe it's not really good to judge what future things we're going to make off of what people decided mm -hmm. to watch a lot of during pandemic. Right. Um, I feel like everybody, I, at least for me, like for the most part, they kind of retreated to things that were really comfortable mm -hmm. um, to, because we all really needed comfort. So we were kind of like looking back at things that like, um, gave us that like that were kind of nostalgic uh and then just sometimes watching you know like things that we might not normally be into because it was it did sort of fulfill a certain thing that you know like a, a de-stressing thing 
Um, I think, like, my big thing is just that uh, I don't... I, I don't mind if, like, if places... Like, with Cartoon Network, for instance, I think, like, there was a point where somebody pointed out to me um, that, you know, like, the thing that we're really looking to... Um, it's not necessarily replaced, but, like, eventually it is replaced. Like, it was like, well, we have Ben 10, and that's really popular. Right. And we need something that, that keeps those viewers watching Cartoon Network. So the next thing that we're looking for would have to be something that manages to keep that same audience. And so, like, to me, that made it make sense, like, why you keep saying you're looking for shows for boys. Like, boys, you know... Um, right six to 11 years old like that's who watches that show so that's why you want that next show to replace that like you already have these other people watching like adventure time or watching steven universe and stuff like that and you don't need to replace those yet so like obviously you know you're not as eager for that um like but i think in that case i was i was glad somebody was up front with me generally speaking like because um I would rather it's just like I know why you're doing it and what you're after and it makes business sense to me and then I don't have to think like well I mean like I guess boldly I could say right. well, then I don't mm -hmm. have to waste my time pitching right. you my elaborate idea of something that I want to do that you're never gonna buy because <laughs> mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. it's just not like you're not doing that and I think like for me that's a large part of what like what's the frustrating part about Netflix for me now is just sort of like um, like I came there I think a lot of people got a certain idea of what they're open to making or what kind of place they are not just because I went there but because like a handful of people went there at the very beginning where um, they were like oh wow look like Elizabeth Ito's there Megan Dong's there Matt Lazell's there like yeah. they're making these these mm -hmm. um, um, really creative shows like that must be the place to go to make stuff that's outside of the box that's like um, really you know just trying something new for me personally I think it like it, it shifted that that mentality shifted a bit from the things that me and that first group of people were allowed to create but it was never really acknowledged. So I think that's the difficult part is like, I don't, I don't know why some studios can't be just a little bit more open about saying like, well, that was a different time. I mean, <laughs> not that long ago, but still like in tech, in tech years, it's like a, a, a really long time ago. Um, but we're not really after that now. We're after this other thing that like, isn't quite as um, open, open in that way. <laughs> right. Mm hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I feel like, yeah, it's, you know, it's corporate talk also. Like, maybe they, you know, it's that thing of, like, kind of wanting to let people down easier. Also, like, you don't want to miss out on opportunity by, like, you know, closing any doors by saying, like, well, we're actually doing this new thing now. Right? Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. It's yeah. weird, though, because they won't. I mean, like, I just felt like in a lot of meetings, it's like they 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 kind of make it really vague so well, it, it it makes you feel like really uncomfortable like kind of just like you know i think pretty before the show even came out with city of ghosts i remember thinking uh there's a correct timeline for if we wanted to make more of this and um we're we're not wrapped yet but in my head i was like i know how shows usually operate and if oh yeah a, company wants more they could conceivably just even ask you to write 
some more episodes um at like it's like for them it's not very much money i don't think to get that kind of thing done uh i i remember like kind of asking about it and just being given really like well we don't think that's like possible to make that kind of you know uh arrangement yet because we really have to see how it does oh um, yeah 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 it's, mm-hmm. it's too late <laughs> yeah and it's it's very vague and it's like it, to me just gave me the feeling like oh like you're already kind of saying no like yeah. you're already downvoting that idea and i don't know why and you're not telling me why you're just kind of like leaving it like that so but yeah it felt it felt very like i wish you would give me a little bit more information or just give it to me straight that it's like you just you don't think this kind of kind of programming could work or it wasn't even that but i don't know (laughs) yeah i mean from my perspective like i don't know anything about the business side and and it's a business and you know there's a lot of machinations that none of us are really privy to like it's it's there's a, a whole corporate side to it that has nothing to do with the creative side and and it's all just numbers and stats and um it's a bummer that netflix doesn't want to release their their um statistics about stuff it's a it's a big problem <laughs> because it's like it doesn't create an even playing field um but lots of people have talked about that already um but uh yeah, I think that it's there to me there it feels like there is a a smart way to make shows. <laughs> There's this there, like you have to give stuff a chance to grow first of all. And I I I think that we've seen that time and time again that sometimes a show in its season 1 doesn't really take off because it needs the time to get word of mouth and it needs time to find an audience, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Usually around season 2 a lot of shows hit their stride. And it's it it baffles me that we still haven't they like studios haven't figured out do you need to give a show at least two seasons? You know what I think? I um the more I think about it, the more I think that um streaming services like Netflix operate a lot, like the the pre-publication magazines uh for manga in Japan, where it's like extremely competitive yeah. and the, the crazy difference is they're like Netflix as a, or like streaming services have a ton of money so they can afford it to do with TV, which is extremely expensive. Whereas a pre-publication magazine can afford to spend less money on an author because it's, it's just like comics, right? But the way it operates is so similar that it's kind of scary. It's like, you just got to get it right because the voters are going to put in their votes and their numbers. And if they don't yeah. like it, you get canceled <laughs> with no. That's true. It's really, it's really, uh, yeah, really. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of like a. I learned about that in Bakuma. <laughs> um, and the, yeah, the whole ratings thing. Yeah. It's wild. It's really crazy. Yeah. Because then you don't have I the think... time. You don't have the time for your first season to double up into a second season. Because now that way yeah. it works is like, no, you got to get it right right away. That's yeah. insane. That's just it's just so difficult to. It, it it's basically impossible to do that because it's it that it does end up being luck, and timing, and nobody has control over that, including the network. So it, it's a wild thing to to bank on. We like to ask. Uh, our guests, how they deal with creative block and what it kind of feels like for you. I mean, like, 
every single time that I've sort of faced a block, it it always feels like a new, <laughs> like a new experience. Um, like yeah, it's, okay. it's like interesting. It's like having to figure out where am I at, like what's stressing me out, um, and yeah, like just how do I how do I get myself out of it? And I, I guess I'm just saying it's a new experience because I felt like. Uh, I mean, I, I keep talking about pandemic, but it's like it was like a big deal for me, yeah. I think, um, because there was just a lot of things that I had to kind of personally realize that I need in order to do certain kinds of work. Sometimes it's like uh, just needing to have like solitary space. Um and that was like a really like I didn't have a lot of that uh, during yeah. the pandemic because I have like two kids. Mm -hmm. uh, my husband runs his own studio and he was also here trying to do his job while, you know, um, our kids were in in school on Zoom. Uh, one of them was in school on Zoom. The other one, like sometimes we'd have my family come over to help out. And then sometimes we wouldn't have that. Like at the very beginning of pandemic, we definitely didn't have that. Um, so a lot of that just led to me, um, like not really having the same blocks of time to work that I'm used to having, uh, where I could concentrate and where I wasn't sort of like always half paying attention to like other people around me. Um, and I think just like getting to this place where I was like, oh no, I'm depressed. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. uh, and then, so that's like, uh, like always like a major block. Like if I'm, if I'm just not feeling good. Um, so yeah, I think like, like creative blocked reached uh, new levels <laughs> during mm -hmm. pandemic. Um, I think once I started to kind of unravel it, like, like, like one part was just, I think like checking in with other people and hearing other people say uh, you have to be okay with like not being a hundred percent, like you're not accomplishing a hundred percent of what you used to do. Like it's like now we're all at like maximum is 75% yeah. is like a great day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so there was that. And I think, yeah, like a lot of it was like, like even if I just think about the beginning of Netflix, like um, when I was trying to work on my idea, the first, the first type of office they had us go into was like open office. Like we're going to have you guys all sit in the same area, like um, no offices, whatever. Uh, and like really quickly, I was like, this is not, yeah. <laughs> this no, is one, not... no one wants that. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I've seen a couple people that I know where I feel like it is actually good for them. Like mm -hmm. they love socializing. They love having that open openness and they're not uncomfortable with, um, with like people seeing them draw or like do like a like like. I don't know. Just I don't like, know what that's like. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. I can't relate to that. That is a hard no for me. <laughs> yeah. So I think like that made me kind of go okay and then i i like asked i think phil rinda i asked mm. like can we rethink this whole open office thing because i'm not feeling it like and i'm feeling really like i can't do anything like i have to leave to go right. to like a coffee shop or something yeah um 
So then eventually they changed that situation, but they instead gave us kind of like these offices that were all like, they had like a glass door and a glass front. So it felt like somebody was saying it's like we're uh, in Westworld. Or yeah, like, it's like a zoo. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that too, like, I think it, it was just like me having to realize like I really need to be alone like I need like privacy I need to have my desk where somebody's not gonna like sneak up on me um yeah all of these things so I think a lot of recognition of that um some of it was like like a lot of people say like um figuring out like mental health stuff like having a therapist that I can talk to when yeah there's like tough tough things that you're you're dealing with or like figuring out why you react certain ways to things um he, he actually helped a lot like with like just kind of like after my show came out like a lot of the like a lot of the emotions that i was feeling about what what i'm like kind of looking for in who i work with and the mm -hmm. attitude that i like and um some of the things that he's pointed out were like uh you're you're dealing with a with a tough situation because like you're you're like a minority and you're a woman and you're an innovator mm -hmm. right and with each of those things um it's a challenge but then yeah. when you have them all together it's like extra challenge and i was like yeah that's that's totally true and it i kind of made me feel better because it, it's something that like I'd, I'd never really thought about or talked to somebody at in depth like that about it yeah, and then, yeah, and just kind of like realizing like, oh, the things that are really important to me are just like trust and respect. And so like, you know, wherever I can go, where I feel that from whoever, you know, whatever exec I'm working with, then um, that's like gold, <laughs> you know, that's like the best, the best things that I could have. So Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. It is a lot. It's a, it's um yeah, just. I, I cannot imagine how difficult that must be because it's it's really hard to be taken seriously by anybody <laughs> and it just feels like there's it's like a stack deck but the fact that you managed to get to the point you are now is incredibly impressive and hopefully inspiring to a lot of people and that's like that's why we try to talk to a lot of different types of um, people different points in their journey too because uh, that's just like that was our mission statement is just like how it, sh it we want to show yeah. how hard it is, but also how achievable it is. But uh, we should probably dig into some Twitter questions because I want to ask you just like really fast. Do you feel like your short time at UCLA studying English has helped you putting together pitches? Yeah, I mean, I think it helped me in general with a lot of like just expressing myself through writing. I think like studying literature first like does help give you just like this um, really broad grasp of like how people how people tell stories I think uh, and just that you know like I guess ultimately it's sort of like with animation at least I've found a lot of people have you know the tips on screenwriting or how to make a certain character a certain way and like you get into like really cliche territory like really fast I feel like that way right um and so like with the with the English stuff I feel like um 
because I was like exposed to such a depth of the way that people have done that, like in their, like in really artistic ways that are really creative, like within literature that like some of those recommendations of like screenwriting books or how you develop these things, they, they, um, yeah, they really turn yeah, me yeah, off yeah. to be honest. <laughs> like, I'm just, yeah, I'm just like, look, like, you know, I don't, I don't want a formula. I want to be like the, the, the writer. Like I want to be yeah. the person figuring out how I do that. And so like, I think even when I see that and stuff that people do, like when I see an animation or when I see a script or when I see a thing that's written in a way where I'm like, Oh, you're doing this this way because you really like, like, uh-huh. like Indiana Jones or something. Yeah. <laughs> like that's what you think your character should say because that's what Indiana Jones would say. Like, it's really frustrating. Cause it's like, there's like so many ways that you can use what you have to make it, something more exciting mm, yeah even when you're just writing it <laughs> there's sort of a, a programming that we go through like just w- through watching media um where we get conditioned to these like archetypes and and tropes and the hero's journey etc cetera, etc cetera. um and it can be helpful but i have found that like the more that i deviate from it the more i can actually find mm. something interesting in my own voice you know but otherwise, when I fall back on stuff, when I'm when I only when I stick with the first idea that I get, it's always something that I've been programmed to do, and it's it's the stereotypes, it's the archetypes, it's the you know, mm. and so like that takes conditioning, like it, it takes like yeah. it takes effort to push yourself in, out of that comfort zone of what you already know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, um, let's let's dig in couple uh really fast couple of your favorite literature classic literature oh (laughs) (laughs) i'm trying to yeah like i'm so blank on it but probably like i i used to really love catch 22 (laughs) i was like oh yeah yeah, it was like a high school book i feel like um uh, or in like uh i mean like this is really cliche too but i remember really liking the great gatsby (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh nice 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 <laughs> um like i know i i have a pro like he has a problematic past but i, I really like roald dahl's um oh, storytelling yeah. mm-hmm. i think that had like a huge influence on me in general just because like um i think it's the way that like harry potter probably influenced a certain generation mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. roald dahl had a similar influence on me where it was something that was like um darker storytelling yeah but it was for kids you know like we were we still read it so like uh yeah i think that that's always been like why a lot of the movies didn't do as much for me i mean like the best one that i like is like obviously like charlie and the chocolate factory like the old one Mm -hmm. um but like for the most part i feel like because like american stuff for kids won't won't go there um it's never gonna be quite like his (laughs) books were (laughs) Um, yeah yeah. kids love dark stuff like yeah i i I, I sure did and i just i i wish that more media would embrace it instead of hiding from it because i think that that the the deeper themes in like those kinds of works help teach kids how to cope with stuff and um 
and process emotions better and because like the world sucks you know like we all know it but it, and so it's like you it's better to brace kids for that than to try to hide it from them that's not good that creates yeah. a weird stunted growth and i don't know <laughs> i i i love it i love i wish there was more kids horror too <laughs> like i oh yeah it's uh we grew up on like courage the cowardly dog and 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 a lot a lot of those cartoons back then were just unsettling and so it's like it, it helps i think yeah um fee is there anything else you wanted to ask or should we dig into twitter yeah questions questions now <laughs> okay god god um uh at starsman art asked if you could interview a real ghost who would you interview Oh, I read that and I was like, oh, there's like a similar thing where I'm like, there's too many and I'm going to forget mm. the one that I wanted to say probably if, uh, by the end of this. <laughs> uh, I think, I don't know, like Jim Henson. <laughs> like, okay, yeah. Uh, him or like, I mean, I, I really miss Anthony Bourdain. So like, I would, yeah. I would love to meet his ghost and uh, like show him my show mm -hmm. <laughs> like ask him if he liked it i bet he'd love uh, it i hope so um, i think so yeah but uh, yeah those are two i guess <laughs> yeah on on that note uh from at zilla 733 how do you decide which locations to cover when you were working on city of ghosts we figured it out by having a huge sort of like chart where we figured out like just like what our possibilities were what things would happen in those neighborhoods like who lives there what are some like you know issues going on there um and then once we knew how many we had the budget to make i think we had to kind of just whittle it down to like initially we started out thinking we would be maybe making like 10 20 minute episodes or 10 like half hours i think it was 20 minute episodes mm -hmm. still but then it got to a point where that was just like um, the the budget was sort of astronomical, and so we we shifted so that it was only I think at some point it was like maybe five, and then I was like, well, can we do a sixth one because I have this one idea that I kind of want to do, and yeah, so it ended up being six, and then we just sort of picked. It was kind of like storylines more than it was like specific neighborhoods. But I do think I tried to make a conscious effort to like um, to not make them mm -hmm. all like uh, Asian culture <laughs> related because sure. there were a lot on, on that side of the list. And so it was like, OK, uh, what you know, what's interesting to us? And yeah, I think that's kind of how we ended up with what we ended up with. <laughs> yeah, it was really informational. I mean, there's a lot mm -hmm. of stuff that I... I didn't know about and now I do like I honestly just didn't know about Tongva and like now I do and I I learned a lot about the indigenous people of LA um, I mean actually it was the same for me like mm -hmm. I didn't I didn't know that much about them I didn't know as much about Oaxacans in Koreatown like I didn't mm -hmm. know anything about that um and yeah I think I felt like it's almost like that thing where like it was worth it to be uncomfortable, but I definitely had moments of like a little bit terrified of like, um, this is not, this is not a world that I know. And I don't, I definitely don't want to like get canceled and mess it up. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. 
it is a risk, but uh, I think you, yeah, it was handled with grace and it, with with honesty. And that's all you can really do is just be honest. Let's see. At Flippy Super asked, how are you able to create realistic human interaction with animated characters? Do you let the voice actors do improv or is everything scripted in your work? Some of it is scripted. Like a lot of the kids dialogue um, was scripted, but only to the extent where a person like one feels comfortable saying the thing um and like two that it sort of comes out naturally like if if somebody started to get stuck in like kids and adults both like on something that we wanted them to say um we would usually try to get like alternate takes so that it was just like more them <laughs> than yeah. than what we like imagined maybe um mm-hmm. yeah so i think like some of it some of it was like uh, it was a little of both <laughs> that makes sense um at cash cash asked how would you compare your experiences working on your own projects to working on others are there advantages or disadvantages to either of them and which do you prefer um the advantage yeah okay I, like I think it's it is so different working on somebody else's project versus like your own. Um, that said, like I think City of Ghosts and Welcome to My Life are very like extraordinarily uniquely me. Yeah. Um, like where it's not it's not like I made up everything about these worlds. So. Um, it's like that the, the the ability to kind of like not be precious about certain things was difficult like like really difficult for me um in a way that like i think when i'm working on somebody else's stuff like including just stuff where it's not even like um the director's thing like like for astro boy you know like i it didn't really bother me one way or the other if somebody's making a choice that they want something to happen a different way like i mean it bothers you in the sense that like oh i have to redo that thing now or oh i like that version of it that i did i thought it was funny i thought it worked um and i don't necessarily think this version is better but it's definitely easier to sort of be like but my job is to do what that person wants in this instance or what they think is better um so like it doesn't it's not quite as like you know the same feeling but like i think maybe like adventure time was like one of the best examples i had of something that i got to work on in two different capacities um that like was like personal enough in the sense that like the sense of humor of the project really aligned with like the type of stuff that i find funny mm-hmm. or the kinds of things that i wanted to do yeah. in uh animated stuff so like it's nice when um what the show is like really aligns with a lot about who you are personally. <laughs> yeah. And then at Tito W. James asked, what's the most fun about the spy genre? <laughs> oh, it's just, it's like planning out gadgets, like um, planning out spy stuff. <laughs> like I just, um, I really love it, but I always feel like nervous that I'm going to come up with like, like, um, the worst ideas uh, like that is like a spot like a dumb spy you know or um but like i think it's fun to sort of like 
you know, live in live in some sort of fantasy where you're like a character in like Ocean's Eleven or something. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's what's really fun. <laughs> yeah, there's like a almost a puzzle element to some of that stuff where it's like you have to. The story ends up being like, well, how does this connect to this? How does this help them solve this? Yeah. I can't even wrap my head around that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, I think we're near the end of our show. I We like to ask, what are your future goals? And what do you kind of have uh, in mind for your career? Where would you like to sort of end up in the years to come? I just hope I get to make more kind of like... Like the, a lot of times at the beginning of City of Ghosts, we were joking <laughs> that it was like... Um, even though our show was like trying to sort of like counter gentrification a little bit, we were like the small bash artisanal like hipsters with our show. Yeah. Um, and I think like I enjoy doing that. Like I enjoy uh, making just like fun, kind of like breaking the mold projects. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, one thing that I can talk about that I'm working on with a with a chromosphere. We're working on a project about shopping malls mm. um, using Unreal. Uh, so I'm kind of like learning how Unreal works, like really, really rudimentary learning how that works. Because like um, it's very it's very uh, foreign to me. Just like I'm, I think it would be less so if I played more video games. But I find it really fascinating because I think there's a lot that we can do with it that's like really fun to try. So I think... Um, I'm just looking for more opportunities like that, where it's kind of like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, like I, I'm saying low stakes, like it, it, it's nice to have things that are low stakes. I don't mean like that it's not valuable. It's just, it's yeah. just like, I think sometimes when things get too fancy, <laughs> it's yeah. like, I don't even know if it's fancy. It's like, like I'm just bombastic thinking about, maybe? well, I'm thinking about like how Netflix at the beginning felt really yeah. open and mm-hmm. free because they weren't making as much stuff. So there yeah. wasn't like as much pressure to like, know exactly what you were doing and how you were going to do it um and so i think once that freedom to not know goes away stuff that i want to do is probably not going to be possible (laughs) at that place anymore um so i think just look looking forward to like when there's more opportunities that were like netflix was at the very beginning like honestly i think if i think back in time like that's what the draw was for uh, Pixar for me at the very beginning. Like there mm-hmm. was this this like idea that you could go there and you wouldn't just have to be an animator. Not that that's like a just job, but like, you know, if you were an animator, there was room to like move into story or like they would listen to you for design or things like that. Um, and like I would have wanted to work there in the period where if, if at all, like I would have wanted to work there if that was true. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hear Yeah, It's kind of like that moment when um, things are like, things aren't defined yet. So there's more freedom of like exploring. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember um, there was an inter- interview with you in uh, Keyframe magazine, the like animation guild magazine. And you mentioned, oh, how, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like you mentioned how you wanted to make a show that I think the word you used was soft. Um, and I think, is, is that what, I, do you remember if that's what you said? Because I, I, the gist was that it's like a show that, for kids that uh, are like gentle and like they oh yeah yeah for sure because like um there's not there's a real deficit of shows where like kids aren't 
like just faced with constant talking mm-hmm. um constant talking and like i think that's where sort of like the naturalistic dialogue uh that i like comes into play because um oftentimes it's they're, they're not they're not even talking like kids because like kids are just they're strange <laughs> like i love yeah, yeah. and i love that and i just wish like more people would kind of embrace that particular awkwardness uh and i think there's like this weird um trend that people have when they read like a script or when they you know uh read something about what kids are doing in a show where like it it has to follow some sort of adult logic about why Mm -hmm. it's like that or like the comedy is like written by adults that think kids are gonna think this is funny um sometimes they're right on like sometimes kids will laugh at stuff where i'm like oh that's so cheeseball but the kid that my kids really like it um but other times like they won't even hear the joke or something you know where you're like uh kind of confused as to like why some why somebody wrote that joke for a kid yeah, but like, uh, no that's true know. i think that's something i think about a lot too is like i think kids are they're they're i don't know they're not because like since they're they can't make decisions for themselves just yet adults feel like they can just push a lot of decisions on, on the kids and that kind of englobes the content they should like and uh, it's kind of like yeah you uh we we can do i don't know there's like this like area that you can plug content or expectations or things into yeah yeah my kids also got really sensitive i mean or not got they just were born sensitive where like we were we were like watching trying to watch just like sometimes pixar movies or like i think um forget like what i put on but there there were just things where they would say it would hit like a, oh like my neighbor totoro there was yeah. some part where i tried to play that for them and it just hits a part where it gets obviously dark and a little bit scary yeah, and then yeah, yeah. their their immediate reaction was kind of like oh i don't like this i want to turn it off um and so i think i was just thinking there there's a, there's like some content like that for grown-ups but like i wish there was more stuff like that where you know you don't necessarily have to deal with the typical kind of conflict but just like for kids where they could watch it kind of like informationally and it's not necessarily like sesame street but it's not like a like a grown-up travel show either (laughs) yeah there's so many different uh colors to use when making tv and especially for kids and yeah i i want to wrap it up by saying that I think it's great that you did something different and something that um, you know is for a different audience. But it, it's there's nothing about it that's that's like challenging in a good way. Like it's sh- it, it's it's just a show that is about like local culture and like embracing it. And it's a really cute, endearing show. And um, mm. I'm th- in my 30s and I really enjoyed it. But <laughs> but I feel Thank like you. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like I feel like kids need that kind of stuff too. It's like it's a you know it's a little warm hug of a show, um, and and that's and that's great. Um, <laughs> well, that's the end of this Credo Block. Thanks to Elizabeth for being our guest and sharing her story. And thanks to your listeners. Follow us on Twitter. It's at Creative Block, Creative without the vowels where we ask for drawing prompts and questions to ask your guests. Huge thanks to my sister Clemens for editing the podcast. 
Uh, if you love our show, then support us on Patreon. Becoming a patron gets you early access to interviews as well as bonus episodes. Click the link in the description of this episode. I've been your host, Gene. And I was V, keeping creative, and we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 <laughs>